Welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and I'm also the outreach minister here on staff. And for the next half hour, Rabbi Schneider is going to be giving us an intro into the Feast of Tabernacles. Jewish people today celebrate Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles to remind them of the time the Israelites wandered in the wilderness where they lived in tents. And there's great significance to these ancient booths that applies to the lives of the Jewish people and Christians alike. And right now, Rabbi is going to introduce us to Sukkot's practical application. Let's get started. Rabbi begins today's message on the fall holy days with a word of prayer. Father God, I just pray that you'll come and fill me with your spirit and that your word, Jesus, would go forth through me like a sharp two-edged sword. In Yeshua's name, Father, and for your fame we pray, amen. In the 1960s, during the hippie revolution, something emerged, and the something that emerged that I'm referring to, beloved ones, is that many Jewish people came to faith during this time in the late 1960s. It was called a Jesus revolution. So many young people, so many hippies came to faith in Jesus. And many of these hippies, once again, were Jewish people. Jewish people were coming to faith in mass numbers. I mean, not millions, but many, many Jewish people coming to faith during this season. And what was happening is they were going to churches. And when they would go to churches, oftentimes, the message they would hear at the churches were, well, you're no longer Jewish, or you, you, know, you shouldn't keep Passover anymore, or you, you, know, you should give up all your Jewish traditions. And it was really alienating a lot of these new Jewish believers. And so during this period, something was formed that is called today Messianic Judaism. It was an entity, a fellowship of congregations who wanted to create an environment within the worship service where Jewish people could come and worship Jesus in a context that was culturally familiar to them. And so we have the spread then of what is known today as a movement called Messianic Judaism. Now, let me simply say that Messianic Judaism is a Christian movement in the sense that Messianic Jews believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe in all the orthodox doctrines of evangelical Christianity. It's just an expression of Christianity that is designed to make Jewish people comfortable worshiping Jesus, again, in a context that's familiar to them. So I'm saying that, beloved children of God, today, because when this movement was created and began to develop called Messianic Judaism, one of the byproducts of the movement is that Gentile churches started also to hear more about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. And so, for example, as the Messianic movement began to grow, what also began to happen more and more is that Jewish believers began to go into Gentile churches and teach, for example, on the Passover, how the Lord's Supper or communion comes out of the Passover. These Jewish believers were invited to go speak in Gentile churches on the appointed days of the Lord that are sometimes referred to as the Feast of Israel or the Jewish Holy Days. And slowly what happened was the Gentile church, the church at large, began to become more and more familiar with the Jewish roots of their Christian faith. 
And this is a right thing. This is a good thing. Remember, Jesus, Yeshua said to the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4, when she began to dialogue with him about spiritual things, Jesus said to her, he said, woman, you don't know what you're worshiping. She was not Jewish. She was not a descendant from the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, we know what we worship for salvation is from the Jews. Paul spoke of the same phenomenon in Romans chapter 11 when he speaks of the Gentile church being grafted into the olive tree. And the olive tree are the scriptures that came from Israel, the prophets that came from Israel, and finally the Messiah himself, Yeshua of Nazareth, that was crucified with the sign above his head that said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. So Gentile believers have been grafted in, the scripture says, Paul, in Ephesians, to the common wealth of Israel. So I use that concept today that I just shared with you as a launching pad of God's fall holy days. Now we're going to continue today with the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. I've already covered the Feast of Trumpets, which is also known as Yom Truah or Rosh Hashanah. I've covered Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And we're going to continue now with the last of the fall holy days, Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. Now this feast is a joyous time. I want to begin to lay a context for you By bringing you back to its origin, we're going to go now to the 23rd chapter of the book of Vayikra, or the book of Leviticus. Hear the word of God as I set the tone by reading this foundational scripture. Here we go. The Lord says to Israel, as he's giving them his outline for his calendar, including all his holy days, he says this, You shall live in booze for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booze, so that your generations might know that I had the sons of Israel live in booze when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. And so what we have here is the Lord telling his people on the seventh month of my calendar, which is called in Hebrew, the month of Tishrei, I want you to celebrate the Feast of Booze or the Feast of Tabernacles. The Lord gives us many instructions about it, but I want to concentrate today on the fact that the Lord has his people living in booze that we call individually in Hebrew a sukkah. When we refer to the booze plurally, we're speaking of sukkot. He has his people living in booze to remember that when they were in the wilderness 3,500 years ago, as the Lord was leading them out of Egypt towards the promised land, when they were in the wilderness for 40 years wandering, They were living in these temporary shelters called Sukkot. Sukkah, if you're talking about one booth, if you're talking about many booths, we say the word Sukkot. Now, why would the Lord have his people every year, even to this day, build a Sukkah and spend time in that Sukkah for seven days every year during the Feast of Tabernacles? What's the point? The point is, beloved ones, that when I go into my Sukkah every year, I'm able to look through the walls of it. I'm able to look up through the roof of it because it's made of natural material that we can see through. In other words, it's made of branches and and leaves and so on and so forth, but it's not so thick that you can't see through the walls. It's temporary. And the point is, is that when we go into our Sukkot and we are able to look up through the roof and see the sky and realize that there's not a big accumulation of possessions in there, it reminds us that when God's people Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years wandering, all 
they had to rely on was God. They had no grocery piles stocked up. Remember, there was only enough manna on the ground for one day each day, except for during Shabbat, they were able to carry it over from the previous day. But every day they had to gather fresh manna. And if they tried to accumulate the manna, it would become foul and infested with worms, which meant that every day they had to freshly rely on the Lord for their provision. They had no accumulation of anything, but yet God was faithful and provided for them. And so every year when I go into my sukkah, I'm reminded of the fact that all I really need in life is God. That even if I lost everything, and even if you lost everything, beloved one, you would still have God and he would be enough. He would supernaturally provide for you just like he did Israel during the wilderness wandering 3,500 years ago. Remember, he brought water out of the rock. Again, he brought the manna supernaturally on the ground. He provided quail supernaturally. God was with them in their midst. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and Rabbi will be right back. But first, a special announcement. Join Rabbi to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah 2023, September 15th through 17th at Lion of Judah World Outreach Center in Toledo, Ohio. Visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com for more information. Make your plans to join other believers as we gather to expect, anticipate, and pray for Messiah's soon return. Services will include special Messianic Jewish worship with Siegelite music. Celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah 2023. Discovering the Jewish Jesus could not accomplish its mission without partners like you. Together, we are preparing men and women for the soon return of Jesus. So please stop by our website to give a one-time donation or to partner with us on a monthly basis. Through your simple act of generosity, you are making an impact. Go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835. And now with the conclusion of today's message, here is Rabbi Schneider. All of Israel lived in these booths. Every tribe was camped there in the wilderness, each family living in their own sukkah. But in the center of the camp, there was a main tabernacle. There was a big tabernacle. In fact, the Lord told Moses when Moses was on top of Mount Sinai, exactly how to build this tabernacle. The Hebrew word for it is called Mishkan. And some of you have studied a little bit of the tabernacle. For others of you, this may be a brand new concept. But I'm gonna read for you now from the 25th chapter of the book of Exodus, and you're gonna hear of God's instruction that he told Moses and the children of Israel to build him a tabernacle so that he could dwell with his people. Hear the word of God, because I'm gonna make application for you. I'm reading now from Exodus chapter 25, verse one, and then verse eight and nine. Then the Lord, then Yahweh God, spoke to Moses saying, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I might dwell among them. According to all that I'm going to show you is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. But I want you to get this main theme. Listen again. The Lord said, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I might dwell among them. So when we think of the Feast of Tabernacles, we remember that every Israelite family was in their own temporary booth, their own temporary shelter or tabernacle. But in the middle of all their booths was the Lord's tabernacle. 
and he told Moses exactly how to build it. And the reason he said he wanted Moses to build it was so that God himself, the God of Israel, so that Yahweh could dwell, could be present with his people. God himself desires to dwell with you. And that's the theme I want to concentrate on today. It's not just about what God can do for us. Oftentimes when we think about our relationship with the Lord, we're so thankful to Father. We're so thankful to Jesus that we can pray to him, that he loves us. But sometimes what we don't comprehend, church, is that it's not just about what he can do for us, but it's also that somehow Yahweh God himself, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, gets pleasure and extreme satisfaction out of him being in relationship with us. When we choose to love him, somehow he delights in that. He wanted to dwell with his people. He got pleasure out of sharing life with them. And so that's where I'm gonna focus on today. But before I give some specific application, I just wanna lay a little bit more of a cultural context for this biblical feast of the Lord that we call Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. In the book of Revelation, we read that there's gonna be a thousand years in which God will reign on earth. There's gonna come a time where Jesus is gonna bind the devil for a thousand years and Jesus himself will exert his kingship over the earth. It's called the millennial period. We read in Zechariah 14 that during this period, Jew and Gentile alike will worship him during the feast of tabernacles. The Gentiles from all over the earth that believe in God will worship God in a special way in connection to the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm reading now from the book of Zechariah chapter 14. I'm going to read verse 16 and then 20 and 21. It says this, then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booze. In that day, there will be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And the cooking pot in the Lord's house will be like the bowls before the altar. Every cooking pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord. And there'll be nothing unclean, the scripture goes on to say, that will enter in. This describes the millennial period. In fact, when we look at Zechariah 14, we see that this period of God reigning on earth, that every pot to him is holy, takes place after Armageddon when God steps in and destroys his enemies. So I just wanted to set the stage here to help you understand that if you're Gentile, the Feast of Tabernacles is particularly relevant for you because we read that during the millennial period, Gentile believers will worship the Lord during this feast that we call Sukkot or Tabernacles. I wanna move on now, more directed to the concept that I'm really wanting to drive home as we look into this prophetic application of tabernacles for our life today. I'm going to the book of Revelation, chapter number 21. I'm gonna read verses number three through five. The point that I'm wanting to address here now is the concept that even as the Lord was camped in the center of ancient Israel in a tabernacle, and he was visible to them because over the tabernacle in the desert 3,500 years ago, for 40 years, the visible presence of Yahweh God 
manifested over the tabernacle as a glory cloud by day, and then as the day began to turn to night, that glory cloud would switch into a flame of fire. So for 40 years, the visible presence of the Lord was in the center of camp amongst ancient Israel so that they saw the glory of God as a pillar of fire by night and a glory cloud by day. The point was, Father God was showing his people that he was dwelling, that he was tabernacling with them. And the prophetic application that I'm gonna be driving home today is how close God is to you. Hear the word of God, Revelation chapter 21, verse three through five. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. The point is that we are right now in between time periods. When we think of the Feast of Tabernacles, we first of all think about it in its original historical context. God himself tabernacling with his people 3,500 years ago as they were in the wilderness for 40 years, visibly demonstrating his presence with them through the glory cloud and the fire. We see as we look into the book of Revelation chapter 21, that when we go to heaven, God's presence is gonna be fully manifest there. He's gonna tabernacle with his people fully and he's gonna wipe every tear from our eyes. So the question for us now is, what phase are we presently in? How is God tabernacling with us today? The Bible says we shall call, speaking of the birth of Jesus, that we shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning that God is with us. I want you to know that even though we are not in heaven, God is here and he is so much nearer to you than you realize. God wants to wake us up to help us understand, listen now, how close he is. I believe the Lord is gonna awaken us to help him perceive in a greater way how close he is to us. God is closer to you than you realize. You see, the point is, is that oftentimes God is doing things. He's speaking, he's knocking at the door of our heart, but listen, we're not recognizing him. We're not hearing him. I'm gonna show you how God is so present to you, even in the ordinary routine affairs of your life. You're not gonna wanna miss it. I just feel in my heart, God wants to say to you, I love you and I'm gonna bring you in to a greater experience and realization of my presence with you. We're learning more about Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, and its application to your life today right here on Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And to go deeper in your study of the fall holy days, let me invite you to go and check out our website. Find us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. You'll also find Rabbi's teaching notes, details about the biblical feasts, 
and you can even watch some testimonies from people all over the world who found the Messiah through this ministry. We call these videos God Moments, and we believe you'll be blessed by listening to how God is working in the world through these special testimonies, and you can find them on our YouTube page. You know, Rabbi said today that God not only lives with us, but he tabernacles in us too. And because of that, we should want to help further his mission in reaching every single person across the world with the gospel. And if you'd like to stand with us as we do that, we'd love for you to stand in support with us. And to share more for just a moment, here is Rabbi once again. Considering what we've studied today, I want to read for you once again from the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy, we call it in Hebrew, Devarim. I'm going to the 14th chapter. I'm going to be reading from the 22nd and the 23rd verse. Hear the word of God. The Lord is speaking here and he says, you shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. And then he continues at the last part of the next verse, he says, so that you might learn to fear the Lord your God always. Do you know that fearing the Lord as we study today is related to tithing? Because when we tithe, we're giving God the respect he deserves by declaring that we believe that everything that we have comes from him. And beyond that, the Lord said, the tithe is his. So we're just really giving back to God what's already his to begin with. We're just cooperating with him. Beloved, if you want to put today's teaching into practice in your life, if you're not tithing, do so. And God promised he would bless you for it. If God is leading you to stand with this ministry during the fall holy days, which is when the produce or harvest is gathered, then we welcome your special fall holy day gift of any amount. You can contribute today by calling 800-777-7835. Or you can partner with us today when you visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And you can also give your donation by text when you type the keyword rabbit to the number 45777. And as a token of our appreciation for your generosity, we'll send you Rabbi Schneider's message of the month that's available as a digital download. And then for our new monthly partners, we have an additional token of appreciation, an authentic handcrafted shofar made in Israel. And once again, you can automate your monthly gift by visiting us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And that's all the time we have for today, but don't forget that if you can't catch this program daily, you can still hear each one of these messages by subscribing to our daily podcast on YouTube. Now let's close our introduction to the Feast of Tabernacles with a special blessing from Rabbi. The words from the Aaronic Blessing in the book of Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, helps us to realize how good God is to you and I personally. So receive his blessing into your life, and then, beloved one, go bless somebody else in Jesus' name today. Yavah Yahweh Yahweh 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up with his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries. Join us again next time when Rabbi Schneider explains how we can continually wake up to God's presence. That's Thursday on Discovering the Jewish Jesus.